You may be seated. Those of you that are waiting for me to read scripture, you're just kind of catching on too much. <laughs> Anybody notice anything different today? My hair? What, what's different? <laughs> the screen. You know, think back with me. Some of you may remember this, probably just a few of you. In 1440, <laughs> in the year 1440, the Gutenberg Press began to print the first Bibles. Until 1440, you didn't have a copy of the Bible. You went to a church, you went to uh, probably a, a large sanctuary, and around that sanctuary may have been images and scripture that was printed because you didn't have it, but just to remind you of the Bible stories. And then 1440 happened, and the world changed, didn't it? Once again, the Word of God came not to us, just it came to us in, in, in Jesus Christ, but came to us in, in the Scripture. And we were able to read the stories ourselves and have them at home. And of course, probably within the last century, there were uh, uh, certain churches that didn't want you to have the Word of God. They wanted you to come on Sunday morning so they could tell you what they thought the Word of God said. But now we each have the Word of God, and we have the most important thing in here is the story of Jesus. And when you understand it, Jesus is in Genesis, and Jesus is in Malachi, and John, and Jesus goes all the way through to Revelation. And so Gutenberg totally changed how we were able to communicate and be able to hear the story and read the story and tell the story and share the story. And when I look at uh, screens like this, uh, LED wall, video wall, whatever we want to call it today, it's just another means to tell the story of Jesus for more people to understand it and to clearly when we have uh, Christmas and every Sunday, this is just one of the ways that we're, we're kind of catching up with the Gutenberg press of our time <laughs> is the, uh, the video wall we're able to tell that story. Well, today we're going to talk about miracles for a few minutes and then we're going to believe for miracles. Anyone here need a miracle today? How, let me ask you this question. Anybody here ever experienced a miracle in your life? Everybody who's saved has experienced a miracle, right? The greatest miracle of all. But how many of you have experienced physical miracles? How many of you experienced miracles of provision? Broken relationships that have been mended. Just, there's, there's so many miracles, so many ways that God shows himself strong on our behalf. Looking into scripture, there are 264 scriptures that, that declare the miracles of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now let's talk about what type of miracles there were. There were miracles of, uh, in nature, miracle, you're going to see uh, an infographic wall. And let me see if we have it here. We're still trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. There are miracles in nature, miracles of healing, resurrections, provision. How many of you know judgment is a miracle? When God brings judgment on people and on a land, affliction, communication, exorcism, a variety of types of miracles. And then you look in the, in the scriptures, there are miracles throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you can see in the infographic that most of those were in the New Testament, but many of those in the Old Testament. And then we have uh, the agents of the miracles. Who did God work through to make miracles happen? Our primary one is Jesus Christ, right? So many miracles. But God in general, and then Moses, Elisha, Peter, Paul, the disciples, so many people that God used to perform miracles. And then who were the recipients of the miracles? 
We have uh, Peter was a recipient of miracles, and we have the curtain in the Holy of Holies that was rent. I mean, that was a miracle when that happened. When Christ was crucified, when he said, To Telestai, it is finished, the access to the Holy of Holies was made available, and in a physical way, we saw that. That was miraculous. Peter's mother in law, so many others that received miracles in their life. Now, what are the things that God used? He used the Ark of the Covenant, right? When the Ark of the Covenant went with the people of God, miracles happened and victories were won. There was the blood, the blood of the lambs as they were leaving Egypt with the hyssop that was put on the doorpost. And then no one in their house died. The, the avenging angel did not kill the firstborn. That was a miracle. You had Aaron's rod and in nature you see numerous miracles. And then what are the locations of the miracles in the Bible? Well, miracles happen in Babylon. Miracles happen in Egypt. Miracles happen in Malta and Galilee and Jerusalem and throughout the biblical world as we uh, read in the Old Testament and New Testament. There wasn't a place without a miracle. How many of you believe God can do miracles in Baltimore today? How many believe God can use us? God can use our leaders? God can... God can still do all the things he did in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are some churches that you could visit today that unfortunately they are what we, we theological term is cessationist. They say that God doesn't do miracles anymore, that there aren't the, the gifts of the Spirit aren't available anymore. I don't know why I'd want to live that way when, when Jesus said these things and greater you're going to do, that all of these things are available to us. One of the stories I love in the New Testament is a story about a Roman centurion who Jesus declared had great faith. So Jesus uh, was, was called by a servant of this centurion who said he had this uh, sick servant in his house. And in Luke chapter 7, verses 6 to 10, it says, So Jesus went with them. He was going to the house to perform the miracle. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and to meet you. Just say the word. Why don't you say those three words with me? Say the word. Say the word. Say the word. That's what we want Jesus to do. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come, just like your children, right? You tell them, go, and they go, and they, well, maybe not. Maybe it's a different illustration. <laughs> and if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Think about that. All Israel had the Torah. They knew the mighty acts of God. They had been set free from Babylon and from Egypt. Miracles had happened. They would celebrate those miracles. They would celebrate the Passover. They would celebrate all that. And Jesus says, there's not been faith like that among the people who should know and have faith like that. There's this Roman officer who has that kind of faith. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to the house, they found this servant completely healed. I still believe Jesus is saying the word today. I still believe he's the miracle-working God today. And what we're going to do today is we're going to offer anointing and prayer for healing, prayer for blessing, God's favor in your life, whatever you need. We're going to have a healing line today.
The healing line is going to consist of our uh, pastors, our elders, our board members, some other prayer leaders. And uh, just be, uh, because of the, the nature of the health issues that we're facing today, they will all be masked. For, so for some of you who may be concerned about that, they will, they will be masked as they pray for you. Heaven, you know, God's still going to hear their prayers, right? There's, the mask is not going to stop uh, the, the miracle-working God. Now, as you come through the line, if you'd like to wear a mask, that, that's up to you. You don't have to be masked as you come through. But as we pray for you and anoint you with oil, we will be masked. Uh, as you come through the line, the line is going to form. You see a couple of tables on the first floor. Some of you in the balcony are going to have to come down to get prayed for. But uh, that first table, they're, they're masked if you'd like to pick up a mask. And then there's going to be an opportunity for you to write on a prayer card. Write your need if you'd like to, and you can walk through with that prayer card. And so as we're praying for you, we know exactly what your need is, and we can pray in that way. Or maybe that, that prayer need is personal and you don't want to put it on a prayer card. That's perfectly fine. However you'd like to come through, that's optional. The beginning of the line, uh, my wife and I are going to be over here. Denise and I are going to be here to anoint you with oil. And then you'll walk through this line. And if you've got a prayer card, there's a table over here. If you'd leave that prayer card there, then we're going to, uh, as a staff and on First Wednesday prayer and other opportunities in our prayer room, we will continue to pray for you. Now, is a um, kind of an added wrinkle, something you might want to do today, and this uh, the idea had, was not my idea, it had come from someone else, but as you're walking through the prayer line, you may want to take your phone and put it on audio record, stick it in your pocket, or hold it in your hand, and walk through, because I believe as you come through this prayer line, that someone may have a word of knowledge, they may have a, a, just a word for you. you, there may be someone praying in, in an unknown tongue and it's your heart language and God wants to tell you something and you may want to record that or as you're coming through the prayer line, as you're recording this, maybe in your own prayer time, you feel discouraged, you just hit this play button and say, these are the elders of the church praying for me, this is God interceding on my behalf. So that's just an option if you'd like to do that. Some of you don't know how to figure that out. Turn to somebody who's under like 12 years old or somebody who's under 20 years old and they, they can tell you how to do that. And as you walk through the prayer line, you can receive that prayer. We are going to be, uh, worship is going to be happening. In the Old Testament, we have this pattern. As the army was going out, who would lead the army first in battle? The worshipers, because it, was, it wasn't about the ability to sing. It was about God being honored and God being worshiped. And that's what this is about today. God is going to be honored and worshiped. And as you are standing in line, or maybe you've been prayed for and you go back to your seat, let me encourage you, don't just kind of check out, but sit there and stand there and sing with us and worship with us and pray for your brothers and your sisters. Sisters, We are a community of faith. Let me say that again. We're a community of faith. I, I, I grew up... Uh, and the Assemblies of God Pentecostal churches back in the 50s, or I, I didn't know much in the 50s, I was turned three in the 60s, in 1960, but in the 60s especially, we called everybody brother and sister. Didn't know anybody's first name. It was Brother Moreland, Sister Moreland. I didn't know Ken and Renee. I just knew Brother and Sister Moreland. I remember going to elementary school and I called my teacher Sister Johnson and they thought I was from a Catholic school. They thought, she thought I thought she was a nun. <laughs> but uh, we, we are brothers and sisters. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes in a church like this, we can kind of spread out. We can kind of come in and leave without getting connected. 
God wants us to be deeply connected as a community of faith. And when we put our faith together, like the people who were praying when uh, Paul was in prison and just like just praying together as the church is what God has called us to. So I'm going to invite our musicians to come back and our singers. And if you would you stand with me, we're going to receive communion. We're going to honor Jesus first. Our priority as a gathering of his people is we gather in his name and we gather to honor and to worship him. And he gave us the main way to do that is through the elements, remembering his, his sacrifice and remembering the hope of resurrection that uh, we have in his coming to this earth in living and dying and being resurrected for us. What a great miracle. But when we celebrate Jesus, how many of you know we celebrate a miracle, don't we? He was resurrected from the dead. He, he went home. He was not... He was translated from from this world back to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the father so we're all miracle believers and it doesn't stop there it flows into our lives when Jesus was with his disciples on the night when he was betrayed he had supper with them and he took the bread he said this is my body he said I'm doing this for you I'm doing this for you turn to your neighbor today and say he did it for me he did it for me he did it for me. He did it for me. Father, we thank you for the bread that we hold in our hands, knowing that you didn't do this just for a group of people, for an ethnicity of people, a culture of people. You did it for us individually. And today, around this globe, wherever believers are gathered, they all realize that you did it for them. You did it for that one on the African continent, that one in Europe, that, that one in Asia, that one in North America, South America, wherever they are around the world. Father, we're so thankful that you're a personal God and you came to die just for me. Let's eat together the bread.